sat there and watched this abuse happen. And so when you talk about a father to some of you, when I talk about that, when I say father, that's not a good thing to you. And yet when we talk about our relationship with God, I want you to understand something today. God is a good father. Jesus is a good shepherd. He is a good God. He is not abusive. God is not that way. And Paul is telling us here, look, you've been delivered from slavery. You've been set free. But now that you've been set free and the Holy Spirit's in you, don't go back again into slavery. What that tells us is that you can be a saved, born-again Christian. You can have a relationship with God, and you can go back into slavery. That's a scary thought, isn't it? To be set free and then to go back into captivity. Look at Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord, same Holy Spirit, by the way. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up or heal the brokenhearted. And by the way, that's in this life. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and freedom to prisoners. In other words, to set slaves free. And Jesus referenced this when he was talking at the beginning of this ministry of his ministry. He actually read this scripture and he said, "Today this scripture is fulfilled in your presence." I came to set captives free. I came to release slaves. Look at John chapter 8 verse 36. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, so if the Son, he's talking about himself, sets you free, you will be free indeed. You're truly free. So you see these comparisons in the Bible between slavery and freedom and this warning that we have of once that we're set free, not going back into a life of slavery. And so I began to really pray about this and start studying it out because I thought this is critical. Because if you notice, fear and slavery are tied together. If there's fear, there's going to be slavery. And if there's slavery, there's going to be fear. So what is slavery in its truest form? What is the definition of slavery? Slavery does these things. These are some of the things that slavery does or puts in an individual. Slavery makes an individual no more than property to another person or thing. If you're a slave, you don't count for anything more than property. You're no different than cattle. You're no different than land. Your value is only in yourself, but there's that you have no real intrinsic value other than just your value. You're worth X. Listen to this. Slavery does not allow you to own anything. And anything that's in your possession can be taken away without warning. If you're a slave, you don't own property, you don't own possessions. Anything that's in your presence can be taken, including your clothes, everything you have. If you're a slave, that thing or person owns you and everything about you. There's no freedom there. And you know what that creates? That creates this undergirding of fear all the time. This always wondering, is today going to be the day? Are they going to come in today and take everything from me? Because there's no peace if you're a slave. Here's another thing that's a characteristic of slavery. It keeps a person in constant fear of punishment at the master's whim. The illustration I gave you of Trisha and her dad, and by the way, she cleared me to tell that story, and there's lots more than that. 
But she said, you never knew when something bad was going to happen. You never knew. It could be for any reason. If dad came in and had a bad day, it could be anything. All of a sudden, there would be retaliation. So you lived in this constant state of not knowing where you stood. That at any moment, you might step on that emotional landmine, and you're going to reap the repercussions of it. So it creates a life of walking around on eggshells in constant fear of what could happen next. That's horrible. That's what slavery in its truest form is. Here's the final point with that. Slavery or slave owners want to keep you ignorant. They want to keep you ignorant. If you look back in the history of slavery, most slaves were illiterate people. They didn't know how to read or write. Why? Because if you're ignorant, then you only believe what I tell you because you don't have the ability to get knowledge about the truth. You're at the whim of whoever's in control over you, and you just have to believe whatever anybody says because you don't know the truth. And there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. Ignorance is you just don't know. If you said, hey, Pastor Chris, could you make a rocket ship? No, I could not make a rocket ship. Is it because I'm stupid? No, I'm a genius. No, but I'm ignorant. I don't know how to do that. I don't understand how to do that. You can be a very intelligent person, but you can be ignorant of certain things. And so what slavery does, slavery wants to keep you ignorant of the truth. And so the devil works overtime to keep you ignorant of the truth in your life. He wants you to see what Paul is doing here. It makes sense now why you see Paul saying, we've not received a spirit of slavery that leads us back to fear. We've received the spirit of God. But if you don't know that, you will live like you're still a slave because you don't understand that you're free. You don't understand that. Slavery, you can write this down, slavery is a mindset. Slavery is a mindset. The spirit of slavery, I looked up the definition of the spirit of slavery. Check this out. It is a dominant habit or a frame of mind. It's how you think. It's your conditioning. You are conditioned to think a certain way. You are conditioned to act a certain way. During the uh, American Emancipation Emancipation Proclamation, Abraham Lincoln Gave the Emancipation Proclamation, setting the slaves free. Ed Jones was there. A couple of others of you were there. You remember. But, but Abraham Lincoln stood up and said, hey. Now, slavery had been going on here since way back in the day, 1600s. I mean, it had been going on since as long as we'd been a country. But Abraham Lincoln got up and said, hey, we're setting the slaves free. What was the problem with that? They didn't know how to be free. See, all they had ever known was being a slave. And so when all of a sudden somebody said, hey, you're now free, they didn't know what to do with themselves. How many of you remember the first time you ever drove a car? (laughs) All you knew was Hot Wheels. You know what I'm talking about? But there's a difference when you sit down in the car and you put the key in and you turn it on and it goes, a room, room. And all of a sudden, you're released on the world with this power to drive. It's kind of scary, isn't it? 
that first time. Well, imagine all of a sudden you've never known freedom, and all of a sudden you have freedom, and you don't know what to do with it. And the fact that many of these slaves, all they knew, all their conditioning was, was to be a slave. So even though the law said they were free, in actuality they continued to live as slaves because that's all they knew. And it's the same way for many of us, spiritually, is that Jesus can set us free, and he does set us free, but if all we know and all we're conditioned to is to think a certain way or act a certain way, we can still be held captive by our addictions and our past. That's a big statement, guys. You can be set free spiritually, but still act like a slave. You understand? So the real question for us as believers, the real thing that Paul is telling the church here at Rome, he said, you've been adopted, you're no longer a slave, don't let yourself go back there. How do you keep from it? What can you do to not be that way? If you've grown up in abusive relationships, how can you keep from going back to them? If you've got addictions to alcohol, drugs, or anything else, how do you stay away from it? If you have an addiction to pornography, how do you stay? I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. How do I not be that way anymore? If Jesus has set me free, then why do I still feel like a slave? That's a big question. And I know that right now, as I say that, for many of you, that hits you right in your heart. Because some of you are saved, but you're still a slave to a thing. And Jesus died to set you free. He said, I died to set you free. So here's the question then. If slavery is a dominant mindset, if it's a bunch of habits, how can we change a slave mindset? How can we change our mindset? And here's the answer. The answer is we have to be reprogrammed with the truth. We have to be reprogrammed or reconstructed from our foundation with the truth. John 8, verse 32 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what Jesus is really, in effect, saying is if you know the truth, and I don't mean know about the truth, I mean know the truth. Really know the truth. The Greek word gnosko, have an intimate knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, if you'll know the truth, I'll set you free. But notice he goes a step further and says, and I am the truth. So what in effect he's saying to us is if you want to be free and stay free, you need to have an intimate relationship with me. And I'll keep you free. That's what he's saying. So there's three points that I want to go with you through through with you today. And I want to tell you something. If you will apply these to your life, you can get free and stay free. But listen to me, guys. The choice is yours. Those slaves have been set free by Abraham Lincoln's proclamation, correct? But if they still acted like slaves, they would still be treated like slaves. Jesus died to set you free. And if you've received him and you're a born-again child of God, how much of that freedom you walk in is up to you. It's your choice. So here's the first thing you need to do. Look at your notes. Number one is you need to know your rights. Trisha just talked about it. Psalm 103. As a born-again child of God, what are my rights? What does it mean 
to, to be a child of God? What, what does God say about me? Who am I? If you are ignorant of your rights, then you will believe what anyone tells you. If you don't know what your rights are, then you're going to believe what anybody tells you about you. So here's the thing. What does God say about you and believe that? What does God say? What does God say about who Wendell is? What does God say about who Allison is? What does God say about who we are? And that's what we need to believe. It's not what anybody's opinion is. It's not what Pookie and them think. It's what does God say about you? Because that's who you really are. Amen? Here's number two. I really like this one. This is a criticism. You need to tell the devil where to go. <laughs> it's one of the few times I'll let you cuss, guys. All right, you know what I'm saying? But this is where you tell the devil where to go. How many of you have seen the new Christian movie, War Room? Amazing Christian movie. Theologically, there wasn't one thing in that whole movie that I saw that I didn't agree with. And you know what the turning point in the movie was? When the, the lead character, or character, the main actor, actress, went in there and she realized who she was in Christ. And she realized that the devil had been pushing her around. And she decided that she didn't want that anymore. That's exactly right. She began to push the devil back. Because let me tell you something, guys. You can be a born-again child of God, but if you let the devil run all over you, he'll do it all day long. He'll do it all day. You know, we've got two big ranch dogs out at our farm. Two big old huge ranch dogs, Yorkies. <laughs> I wish I had a picture. The biggest one is about five pounds. 90% of that weight is her head. She's got a big old head. The other one, the smallest one, is probably three pounds. No exaggeration. Little bitty Yorkies. And, and what's amazing about the littlest one is that she thinks she's the biggest thing on the property. And you can open that front door in the morning and she heads out and there's the sheep and there are the horses and she will run out and she will chase anything that will run. She just wants something to run from her. And she doesn't care what it is. The funniest thing in the world is to look out there and see literally a three-pound Yorkie chasing a 1,200-pound horse. A couple years ago, we looked out front, and we could hear her barking her head off, and she's out in the front yard, and there, there she is barking at a squirrel, and it was a standoff. That's how little this dog is. I mean, a squirrel, they're like, I'm not running from you, you're smaller than me, you know? I mean, they're sitting there barking at each other. What's interesting about her, though, is that she may weigh three pounds, but she has the heart of a lion. The reality for you, the Bible says if you resist the devil, it says submit to God. In other words, you better have your relationship with God right. But if you are a child of God, if you submit to God, if you're a born-again Christian, if the Spirit of God lives in you, then resist the devil and he will what? What does flee mean? <laughs> That's flee. Flee is not an orderly retreat. Flee is not backing up. Flee is run away like a scared little chicken. And the Bible says that the devil will flee from you if you've got your relationship with God right. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
think that's amazing. When the devil pushes you around, push back. A bully only understands one thing, power. A bully only understands one thing. You know, one of my funniest Kennedy stories, Trish and I one day uh, had come home and Kennedy came home. I don't remember if it was a teacher or if Kennedy had just told us. She was in like first, second, third grade, little kid, like second grade. And, and on the playground, there were the older kids on the playground and the little kids on the playground. And some of the big kids were pushing around some of the little kids. Well, if you've been around Kennedy a little bit, you know that probably didn't go over real well. Real well. So she, she came in one day and said, we got the big kids. We got them. I said, what do you mean you got the big kids? She goes, well, they were pushing around some of my friends, so I got the whole class together, and we charged them. <laughs> Looked like a little midget war out there, you know? Can you imagine going on? Teacher's like, what's up? Ah, painted with blue and white faces. Looked like Braveheart, you know? <laughs> but that's really what happened, and she, she had rallied this whole second grade you know, 50, 60, 100 kids. Can you imagine those two bullies and all of a sudden this sea of midgets starts charging them, you know? <laughs> but she was right, and they didn't get messed with anymore. The only thing a bully understands is power. The Bible tells us that the devil roams around like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour. And let me just give you a news flash. If you've ever watched how lions hunt, they don't go after the biggest one. They go after the weakest one. That ought to tell you something. If you know anything about history, if you know anything about military history, in World War II, the B-17s, the bombers would fly over Germany, and the, the uh, German fighter planes would fly through the formation and just shoot indiscriminately. And invariably, there would be some airplanes that were wounded. And what would happen is they would fall out of formation. And when they fell out of formation, they would pick them off one by one because they went after the weak ones, not the strong ones. And that's what the devil always does. He picks on the little ones. He picks on the defenseless. And I want to tell you, there's two, well, I get chili bumps thinking about this. A couple things you need to do here. One, you need to get your armor on because if you act like a baby, he will treat you like one. You know, you've, you've probably seen or maybe studied how they used to train elephants way back in the day. They would take these baby elephants and they would chain up their legs and, and chain them to a stake in the ground. And so this elephant became conditioned. There's that conditioned habit thing. They became conditioned to being held by a chain. Well, as they continued to grow, now they're thousands of pounds and they have all this muscle, all this strength. But they look down and they recognize this chain around their ankle as still being the thing that controls them. And so while they have all this power and they could easily break that chain without even thinking about it, in their mind, they're controlled by this little chain. And that's how the devil wants you to act. He wants your addiction to control you instead of you being over your addiction. And the Spirit of God in you allows you to rise up and cast the enemy out of your life. But you know what, guys? I can't do that for you. Your grandma can't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. You have to stand up and say, I'm a born-again child of God, and I know my rights as a Christian, and you have no place in my life, so get out of here. And the Bible tells us that when you finally man or woman up, he will flee from you. 
But I'm not even okay with just that because guess what? He's going to run away and he's going to go look for somebody else that's weaker than you. And our job as believers is to go help protect those people and educate them so they don't have to get picked on either. Because the devil's a punk. You understand me? The Bible tells us that he comes only to kill and steal and destroy. That's it. All he wants is to destroy your life. That's it. That's all. Look at number three. I'm getting mad now. (laughs) Number three, stand. The third thing you have to do is stand. And this is a military term. This Greek word is a military term that says stand firm. It's an aggressive stance. It's not a passive stance. It's an aggressive stance that says I'm here to stand to protect those that are behind me. I'm here to create a wall so the enemy can't go through me to get to other people. It's an aggressive stance. It's not retreat. It's, oh, you want some of this? Then come on. I'll punch you in your mouth, devil. Get fired up. and ah, I don't know. I want to read something to you. I'm going to say this first. You can write this down. The devil is a terrorist. The devil is a terrorist. He creates fear and he thrives in fear and he wants to create fear in your life and he wants to control you by terror. I read something this past week uh, on the news and it talked about that if the United States decided today that it was sick of ISIS being over in, in the Middle East, if we really got tired of them and we took the military strength of our country and decided we wanted to get rid of them, within six weeks or less, we could eradicate them from the planet. Here's the problem, this commentator said. The people that have the power don't have the desire. And the people over there that are living underneath that tyranny, that slavery, don't have the power. And so there's a stalemate. And so in your life, you have to look and say, are you going to allow the devil to push you around, or are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? And you know what, guys? You have to get to that place where you don't want the devil to push you around anymore. So you have to stand. I'm going to read something to you from history. I think you'll find it interesting. The following statement was made by the British Prime Minister, Neville Chamberlain. Here's what he wrote. We, the German Fuhrer, And Chancellor and the British Prime Minister have had a further meeting today, and we have agreed and recognized that the question of Anglo-German relations is of the first importance for our two countries and for Europe. We regard the agreement signed last night and the Anglo-German agreement as a symbolic of the desire of our two peoples never to go to war with one another again. We are resolved that the method of consultation shall be the method adopted to deal with any other these two questions. In other words, if there are any issues, we're going to talk about it. And this is what he says. My good friends, for the second time in our history, a British prime minister has returned from Germany bringing peace with honor. I believe it is peace for our time. Go home and get a nice, quiet sleep. That was written in 1938. That was then Neville Chamberlain, who was the British Prime Minister, and he was meeting with Adolf Hitler. 
And he and Hitler were coming up with an agreement whereby the British conceded some other territories. In other words, allowed some people to go into slavery because they just wanted to buy a little peace and just say, hey, maybe if we negotiate with these terrorists, they'll leave us alone. It wasn't months later that Germany invaded Brussels, Belgium, France, trapped hundreds of thousands of British soldiers at the beaches of Dunkirk and then precipitated World War II. All Hitler was doing was buying time, and he was going, oh, you're a punk. I can push you around, so I'm going to. The only thing terrorists understand and the devil understands and bullies understand is power. And the power of God lives in you. Are you going to allow the devil to push you around anymore, or are you going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired and do something? Are you going to do something? Are you tired of living in fear? Do you know your rights? Listen to this, Andrew Jackson, 1837. But you must remember, my fellow citizens, that eternal vigilance by the people is the price of liberty and that you must pay the price if you wish to secure the blessing. It behooves you, therefore, to be watchful in your states as well as in the federal government. You say, well, what does that have to do with Scripture? Look at Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not allow yourselves to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I wrote this next paragraph. I want you to listen to it. The enemy of freedom is ignorance and complacency. For men who have been made free by Christ who purchased their freedom with his blood, of Americans who are free by the sacrifices of their forefathers and brothers and sisters, both of these give up their freedom through the ignorance of their birthrights and their lack of diligence in defending those rights. We go into slavery for the lack of knowledge of who we are. Our bill of rights paid for by the blood of our deliverers. This should not be. We're living in perilous times. I'm at more peace than I think I've ever been in in my whole life because I recognize that God is bigger than the mess that we're living in and He is in control. But the amount of freedom and peace that you live in right now is completely up to you. Are you going to allow the devil to push you around and believe what he says or are you going to truly trust God? Are you going to stand firm in who you are? And, and guys, I want to encourage you this. This is one of, the, one of the things that I can't do for you. I can't make you spend time in your Bible. I can't make you understand who you are. You have to do that. Are you spending time in your Bible every day? Do you understand who you are in Christ? Because if you're waiting for a deliverer, he's already delivered you. He's telling you to stand firm because I've already paid for your freedom. Stay free. Stay free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. But most of all, I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. That he paid this horrible price. Shed his own life. Shed his blood. Gave his life so that we could be free. And Paul, we hear, or Father, we hear you through the Apostle Paul talking to us saying... Jesus has paid it all. Stay free. Don't allow yourself to again go into slavery. And Lord, I know that the devil is going around like a roaring lion. I know that he uses different people and situations to create fear in our lives. Lord, help us to understand who we are. Help us to realize what you think about us. 
that you've adopted us into your family. We're no longer part of the kingdom of darkness. We're part of the kingdom of light. That we're no longer outcasts. That we're no longer worthless. That we're no longer sinners. We're no longer what our past was. We're not defined by that. But you have adopted us and brought us into your family. And you call us your children. That we're kings and priests. That we're princesses and princes. That, Father, that we've been adopted into this amazing family. And, Lord, even beyond that, you put your Holy Spirit in us. Your presence in us. Father, I know there are people here that struggle with fear, that the devil just plays with them. And Father, I pray right now that you would begin to stir them, that they would not be ignorant anymore, but they would come to understand who they are, that they are powerful, that they are strong. That Father, you would help them see that. If you're here today, and you're not a Christian. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. He's, he's not your Savior. You, you know right now if you died that you might not go to heaven. You don't think you would. It's the most important thing we do every week. You know, this world, it's going to be over at some point. This is going to end. Where are you going to be? Where, how are you going to end up? Do you know Jesus or do you just know about him? Have you received his forgiveness? Or are you trying to make your own way? If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus, you want to be free, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be free. I want to be free. Lord, I need that. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, but the reality is, the devil's been pushing you around. He's been pushing you. He's, he's been that terrorist in your life. And, and there's those addictions. There's these challenges. There's these things in your life that keep pulling you back. About the time you think you're getting ahead, it just yanks you back down. And you recognize that, that you're not truly free. But you see and you understand in his word that you're supposed to be free. That he died for you to be free. that's you and you say pastor I want to be free I'm a believer but I want to be free if that's you slip your hand up say pastor it's me amen hands all over the place you put your hands down it's the most important thing we do and we're not in a hurry today we've got a few minutes if you slip your hand up I just want you to come down here to the front I'm going to pray with you just step out come down this is a safe place nobody's going to judge you This is about eternity. This is important. Just line up across the front here. We're going to pray. It was for freedom that Jesus set set us free. To be the person that he's called you to be. To walk in the fullness of what he's called you to walk in. To, to live in a life that's full of abundance and hope and peace. He can fix your past. He can fix your brokenness. He just wants an opportunity to do that. I'm just going to give another moment. If that's you and you're, you're at that place, then, then come down here. We're going to pray for you. 
here's what I want you to do. If you're out, I just want you to put your hand up and just, just pray for these folks that are up here. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you just need to be praying for them right now. the ocean bright as rain this powerful emotion lifts me up above the plane it's taken me places I have never thought I'd go showing me your grace I never thought I'd a sinner whose sins have been washed clean an absolute beginner whose heart has never seen I must be forgiven for sometimes asking why I was chosen to be given you in this life when I
as the ocean, bright as rain, this powerful emotion lifts me up above the Feel his peace, Lord. Guys, you feel his peace? He wants you to walk in that. Even in the middle of the storms, everything going on, he can give you peace. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Father, I thank you for your power and your strength in our life, Lord. I thank you for the reality of who you are. Father, I look around and I see a bunch of your kids. Lord, give us the heart of lions. Father, to help rescue those that are lost and are hurt. Help us to be courageous, Father, even when we're scared, to stand up for the truth and share your love with people, to point people to the cross. Father, I pray for a blessing for all those here as they leave this place, that your peace and your strength would be with them, that you would walk with them this week, guide them and protect them, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday.